Welcome back to the Andrea K Show. Glad to have you here with me in the studio. Well, you know who I'm glad to have with me, as always, is my man Stan, the legal man Prowse. He's here to talk about uh, when love goes wrong. And, you know, we actually started a couple of weeks ago when Stan was here last. We actually started talking about child custody, which is one of the biggest, if not the biggest, people, most time people think of divorce and they think about the financial situation, the separation of property and how people can fight over money because so many marriages end over and and divorce comes because of issues over money. But there's so much involved, even more than I realized, involving the child custody part of divorce. And we started talking about that a couple weeks ago. And we're going to continue with that, right, Stan? We are for just a sec. Yes. Yeah. Well, let's retell everybody what we talked about last time in regards to, to child custody. Okay. Briefly, California prefers joint custody, which is joint legal and joint physical custody. Both parents have legal custody. Both parents have an appreciable amount of time with the kid. Now, if dad is a traveling salesman or he lives 100 miles away, probably you still have joint legal. Mom has sole physical. Dad has visitation. Now, if you start getting into a situation where one parent is unfit to a substantial extent, usually involving drugs or alcohol, and makes bad decisions for himself or herself and would make them for the child, then you wind up with sole legal to the sane parent, sole physical to the sane parent, and visitation perhaps supervised to the insane parent. Uh, And then if the other parent is, if the The negative parent, shall we say, is really, really seriously negative. The negative parent may wind up with supervised visitation. So that's the run. That's the the quick rundown on that. Right now, how hard is it to try to prove that the negative parent is so negative that they should have restricted, supervised, or even non-visitation rights? Uh, It's somewhat difficult, but usually a parent who's in that situation manages to demonstrate the traits that will give that parent uh, visitation only. Okay. Generally, you've got maybe um, criminal records. Okay. A lot of DUIs. Okay. Uh, Another factor is assault. The parent who's assaulted the child or abuse the child, abuse the other parent, that's pretty obvious because, again, you've got police records, you've got maybe medical records. But basically you need proof, though. You do need to prove You need proof. You can't just go into a court and say, hey, my spouse is abusive. Yeah. One of the the typical things that a super-possessive, maybe sociopathic to some extent, mother particularly gets engaged in is allegations that dad has abused the kids. Mm -hmm. That's awfully hard to prove. And if they don't manage to prove it, then they really get whacked because then then they're on the unfit side if they've done that. So shall we move into Roman numeral two? Yes. Okay. So Roman numeral two is determining a parenting plan. This goes hand in hand with determining custody. It's you, you can't have one without the other. But usually 
you, usually the general principle of who's going to get joint custody, who's going to get joint legal and sole physical, et cetera, usually, <clears throat> usually you get a grasp of that before you get down to the parenting plan. And when I say parenting plan, I'm talking about things like the holiday schedule, school breaks, summer in particular, if you don't have a year-round school. Sometimes this can get pretty contentious. It gets most contentious usually over Christmas, and particularly if one of the parents wants to take the kids to grandma's house, Mm -hmm. and it's in Idaho. Uh, Usually those kinds of things are resolved by every other Christmas or every other Thanksgiving. Right. Uh, If one of the parents is particularly religious in a Christian sort of way, maybe it's I want the kids every Easter. Mm -hmm. Typically, mom gets the child on the child's birthday, and the child is with the mom on mom's birthday, and likewise with dad, in case the birthday doesn't fall within dad's time anyway. Uh, If you can't figure those things out for yourself, then you're going to wind up with a mediation or counseling with what's known as child um, support, not child support. Oh, hey, my mind is doing a backflip. Do you have too much turkey on Thanksgiving? Way too much (laughs) turkey. You wind up with a court-appointed mediator, professional social services trained sort of person, And that person will make recommendations for custody, which will include a parenting plan. And those are generally followed pretty closely by the judges. So you want to be a real good person when you go to the mediation. Family court services, there we go. You want to be a a real good person. You want to emphasize that your only concern is the welfare of the child. Mm -hmm. You don't want to do me, me, me. You don't want to throw bricks at at, at your soon-to-be ex-spouse Right. Uh, so. It's like Judge Judy always says, because she did family court for many years. Yeah, what does she say? And she always says, well, don't come to, you want to come to court with clean hands. That's right. That's her big thing. And you want right. to come respectful. That's right. And you want to come with your proof. That's right. Among other things, you don't want to come looking as you've just come from a volleyball game at the beach. That oh, at, right. That doesn't help either. Right. Okay. So once you got the custody and the parenting plan down, then Roman numeral three is calculating the timeshare. Mm-hmm. This gets a little bit dicey, and much money and grief can result in disagreement over what the timeshare is. You got partial days, you have school days. Uh, generally speaking, the parent who would be the parent who would show up at school if the kid gets sick, for example, winds up getting credit for the whole school day, mm-hmm. even though otherwise the parent might not be with the child except from after work until bedtime. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you help it not become muddy? What do you, how do you help with these um, particular areas? <laughs> Good question. Uh, I generally take a position in the negotiation that, and, and beforehand with the client that, look, that's fair. Mm-hmm. And that's based upon my own experience and my own reading of the situation that, look, agree to this because it's fair. Or right. we're not going to agree to that because that's just play not fair. Right. You know, you, you can't expect to take the child up to grandma's for the entire 
Christmas vacation. Mm -hmm. Even if we're alternating Christmas Eve and Christmas Day or something like that, um, even if we're alternating Christmas itself, you can't disappear the kid for every day except Christmas Day. Right. That's that's not fair. Right. So fundamental fairness. All right. Once we've gone through that, what's the next thing we have to do? The next thing we have to do is determine the income of each parent. Mm-hmm. Now, the reason we're at step four now, Roman four, with this is because the child support figures are determined by a formula. Mm-hmm. It's a very complicated formula. You can't do it on a legal pad. How it came into being is a long story, but there you are. Mm-hmm. It's enshrined in the family code. There are two or three different programs that have been constructed by various people that have been approved for use. Mm-hmm. And the three things that go into the calculation are, guess what, timeshare, mm-hmm. other parents in, one parent's income, and the other parent's income. All right. Now, determining income except in one circumstance, is usually a considerable pain in the neck. If you're talking about people who are ordinary employees, they get a paycheck, they get two weeks off, Mm -hmm. they don't work a lot of overtime or something like that, hey, it's easy. You take the last 12-month average. That's the beginning proposition the statute sets forth. Average income over the last 12 months, not calendar year, but mm-hmm. the last 12 months. Now, we move into some self-employed people. Oh, that's a whole different that's thing. That's a whole different we story. We may have to save that because we're almost out of time. Yeah, we can so, tell some stories about that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we'll save. That's number five. That's, we're, we're at number 4B. We're, we're at moment. number 4B because Stan has his five tips and five things that you need to know about child custody. And I'm glad we're getting into some detail in this. Good. But we're going to need another, we're going to need another show, you know, to, to, to well, get into that. We're also going to talk um, next time about why attorneys lie. Yeah, we're, we're going right? to do a little bit of that because usually... Uh, your client, whether it's me or some other attorney, comes back from the hearing or walks out of the courtroom and says, he just lied through his teeth. Mm-hmm. Or she just lied. How can they do that? Mm-hmm. And it takes a little explaining. And, of course, the explaining doesn't make it right. Right. But I got some explanations people might be interested in hearing on okay. that subject. 